Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce to you today, Sean Herman, who is the founder and CEO of Kinzu and author of the new book, Screen Captured, helping families explore the digital world in the age of manipulation. Such a relevant topic, and I can't wait to hear more. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, you obviously, as a father, a lot of us are driven into this industry or in this space, I should say. Uh, because of this, myself included, in my book, uh, Digital Self-Mastery, I ended up doing another edition that was across generations for exactly that, although my kids are older than yours. So I look forward to sort of bouncing a little bit of that back and forth. But what was your background before coming into that space? I know you worked in tech. Can you give us a little background of your story and how you came into this space of of screen captured? Absolutely. Yeah, I... My story, I think, is a bit unique in that I didn't, I wasn't a 20 something year old person with dreams of being an entrepreneur. And basically, my career out of school, I started in kind of sales and marketing. And then I got into business analysis and project management in a IT consulting firm. We were always doing IT projects, but I was much more involved on the business end of things. I took a role at a big company doing finance projects initially. And I got interested in finance and I pursued and, and got my uh, CFA designation, the Chartered Financial Analyst Charter Holder designation. And then I got into corporate finance. So I was doing things like supporting mergers and acquisitions and doing treasury and things like that, financial analysis of companies. So I was kind of on a career path towards that. And a few things happened that kind of ended up me getting into tech and specifically into the child uh, side of things. The first, of course, was becoming a father, which I did. So had my daughter and early on got a lot of exposure into the fact that technology is kind of here. So it's going to be a part of our lives and did a lot of thinking on what role it was going to play within our household. And then the second catalyst was the company I worked at entered into a merger with another company and the place started getting a little bit toxic and political. So I decided I wanted to go back to uh, something small. And I ended up running a small firm uh, for some investors and some founders, which was a B2B video sharing service. And something funny started to happen in that my daughter started using that platform to send me and my wife video messages and then uh, her grandparents video messages. And then she started bringing her friends at school onto the platform. So I watched that for a little while and that led to the business plan for Kinzu which is our messaging platform for families. And in kind of designing that app, I had learned a lot about app design and kind of some of the pitfalls that we need to avoid as parents when it comes to screen time, which led me ultimately to writing the book Screen Captured. You say that it's a unique path. And yet I, we hear this story of, you know, we all come from different angles and perspectives and then come around to the same space of how do we create this safe space? where we can, you know, live with technology harmoniously and really benefit from it, but don't, you know, become destroyed by it ultimately. I think it's what you're doing is really exciting, especially with 
I, I look forward to playing around with Kinzu. I wish that it had been around when my kids were small. When my kids were small, we were still living in Sweden. So they got mobile phones quite early. And because that was just the way everything was connected, the way it is now here. But I think it was, we didn't really have the behaviors right around, you know, how do we use it and how do we not use it? And everything was really designed for adults. What's your thinking around the difference between designing for adults and designing for children? Yeah, I think that it's a world of difference designing the two. And I think you touched on a very important point there in that the reality today and, and what I experience as a parent, I'm you know quite confident that it's it's pretty typical for most parents out there. Most of us, I think, view technology as kind of part of life now. So you can resist it for so long, but I've actually chosen to kind of embrace it a little bit and, and look for better ways to incorporate it in our family. But the reality is when my daughter started onboarding onto technology and especially connected technologies, so things with internet capability, she was increasingly going into a world that was not designed for kids. And what I've learned is there are literally, you know, millions and millions of kids that are finding their way onto social media and social platforms that were never designed for kids. And I think the biggest difference between adult platforms and child platforms starts with business model and the most successful business models of the past decade or so in technology have been around data capture, learning as much as they can about us, building profiles, and then ultimately advertising to us. And no matter how any user feels about Facebook or, or some of the big platforms, ultimately what I decided is that business model just doesn't retrofit very well when it comes to kids and I became very alarmed when I started to see the statistics of everything trending up and, and more and more kids ending up on these platforms. Because with my own daughter, when I started to look for alternatives, there weren't that many and, and not that many that I, I felt were designed well and, and things like that. So that's ultimately what got me into it. But I think it starts with kind of greenfield, building around things like privacy and ensuring that workflows are there to protect children and protect their privacy as opposed to try to kind of retrofit large platforms built for mass scale and growth back into the kid space, which I think ends up with a lot of loopholes and it exposes children to inappropriate content and conduct. Absolutely. I think, you know, you touched on some really important points there in that, you know, retrofitting really just, it doesn't work. But at the same time, there's a lot of, a lot of different tools that are used both for adults and children. I know you mentioned in your book about Minecraft, and my son was also very engaged in Minecraft in early days. It also became a, an opportunity for us to sort of work through understanding cyberbullying, because there had been an instance that happened there when he had been working on something collaboratively with friends, and there was misunderstanding, but the kids were all together, and there was some cyberbullying that happened there, but it helped us sort of in a safe space work through that. But at the same time, I was using Minecraft with my, you know, professional development and getting people to basically, you know, remote teams to build things collaboratively. So you have these tools that maybe even are the other way around. They're designed for kids, but they're great to adapt to adults as well. And what I loved about what you were writing about was the importance of the communication and sort of having the talk about the benefits of, or the things to be wary of. Do you have anything that sort of really stood out for you in terms of that communication piece and how that evolved for you 
Because that's, I think, a really big challenge for people is to have that conversation with their kids. Yeah, absolutely. And in writing the book, Screen Captured, my my real desire for the book is really how I feel about technology as a whole in that the book isn't a list of do's and don'ts or, you know, follow these 10 steps and everything will be okay. I don't think that that's an approach and I don't think we're there. I don't think we know enough uh, holistically to be able to, you know, define things and, and take it in such a linear way. So what I'm really trying to accomplish in the book is arming parents with a little bit more education on what happens kind of behind the scenes on bigger platforms and what are some of the risks as it relates to our kids. But never in the book do I say, don't let your kids on this platform or that platform. I might say, I don't let my daughter on, on this platform and here's why. But I'm also not there to shame parents that do because the reality is, you know, kids are on technology. So I, I think that the storytelling that I do in the book and, and some of the better feedback that I've gotten on the book has been, it's very relatable because I do weave in a lot of storytelling about my own experiences with technology in my daughter growing up. And I think the common thing throughout is I was always sitting right there beside her or took a vested interest in, in technology the same way that I would take a vested interest in sports or who she's hanging out with or, or things like that. So I think it's just been important to educate myself, learn how these platforms work, find the upside in a lot of these platforms, because as you talked about with Minecraft, there is a lot children can learn that's actually quite productive. They can learn how to problem solve and collaborate and be creative. And, and I think that's all good things. But we have to acknowledge that there are open platforms as well. And there are risks of them, you know, connecting with people. And it does open up things like cyberbullying. So I think it's just important to lean into technology with your children, become involved. They love telling you about what they're doing and everything that they're up to. And I think it actually creates a lot of great opportunity to have those discussions that you talked about. And then we're arming them to hopefully make better decisions as they age out of these platforms and get onto, you know, broader social media and things like that. You're coming into actually, you're leading perfectly into my next thing that I was going to ask you about, which is when you're working with teens, it's a whole different ballgame. Because for one thing, you know, it's not just because of technology, but they don't share as much. They're, you know, they're self-involved. It's part of their human development stage. They basically want to go hide out in their room and do whatever it is that they're doing. And that's not any different now with technology than it was before. It used to be, I mean, when I was a kid, I'd go in my room and I'd do art and I'd read books and really had no interest in having conversations with my parents. And I think it's pretty much the same now. It's just that instead of sitting on the phone for hours, you're sitting on technology and it's becoming your your device for music. It's your device for, you know, for entertainment. It's your device for connecting with your friends. And it's also an outlet for their homework and everything else. So building the understanding at an earlier age around how to engage and how to create a safe environment for yourself seems like such a valuable tool. Have you thought about sort of this, I guess the age that I'm thinking about is that you're about to embark on is sort of this, you know, prepubescent phase where things get really messy and you're sort of in that in-between phase, maybe the communication's not as good with your kids, or maybe it is. I mean, it depends on the kid. But, you know, how do, we, how do we arm them with the right knowledge and the right tools to move forward through that space 
so that they can benefit from the technologies that are available to them rather than they become the, you know, the bigger problem for them. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And it's something that I think about quite often. And really, it's a driving force behind, you know, the vision for Kinzu. So I believe, personally, that by leading into technology and actually taking a more realistic view that kids are going to be on it, and they're interested in it, and bringing them onto technology a little bit earlier, but on a platform where they're going to be surrounded by loved ones, where privacy is prioritized, and they're learning how to use technology, how to be empathetic, how what certain terms mean, and things like that. Similarly, when my daughter gets interested in something, I think it's incredibly important that we're teaching them things like being able to enter in a, a search term and identify if the results are reliable and where should you enter in that search term and understanding kind of how advertising works online and that certain things are there because they've been paid to be there versus more reliable results. To me, it all boils down to, I think, earlier education around it. And again, that's emphasizing the fact that technology is here and kids are on it. And the stats say that basically, like 98% of kids, zero to eight, have daily access to a device. So no longer can we kind of say, well, I want to keep the phones away or, or keep the tablets away from our kids. I think it's important to embrace it. And the analogy I always use is when kids learn to drive and they turn 16 years old, we don't just give them the, the keys of the car and say, off you go. But I think the reality is that's happened quite a bit on social media and kids turn 13 or maybe the parents open up when it's the kids are 11 or 12 and let them get that first social media account, but they haven't had any proper training and maybe they don't understand the permanence of social media, the fact that everything is indexed and is searchable and is permanent and goes onto your digital footprint. And unfortunately, we've read too many stories about children losing scholarships or jobs or things like that because of behavior on social media. So to me, that all starts with earlier education and hopefully it's kind of my approach to parenting is, is I understand that when my daughter is in her teens, I'm not going to be beside her every moment of the day. So whether it's drugs or alcohol or, you know, social media, I just hope that I've armed her with good information so that she can make a good decision in that moment. And that's really my overall approach to technology as, as well as some of those other things. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. I think one other thing that you you bring up in your book, and I talk a lot about with my clients is sort of the double standard thing, but it's also, I think for, I'm a Gen X, I don't know where you lie within that, but I find that within our generation and the research that I did for my book on, you know, digital self-mastery across generations, there was, what I found was the Gen Xers were probably, had the worst habits around technology because they were trying to do things both, you know, analog and digital simultaneously they were the ones that were standing there with the phone in their hand telling their kids to put their phone away. And it was really, you know, just sort of trying to adjust to these new paradigms was really a big challenge. And so looking at sort of this cross-generational interaction and adults ourselves, how do we hold ourselves accountable? And not that you necessarily have the answers of how we hold ourselves accountable, but what are some of the tools that you use personally to hold yourself accountable so that when you're, you know, you practice what you preach when you're working with your kids or when you're, you know, when you're teaching the curriculum, or I'm assuming that you have curriculum around it, or that you even are just speaking about your book or talking about, you know, developing Kinzu, what are the things that you 
really like to do or feel are necessary in order to practice what you preach so that you can really be true to your values? Yeah, I, I think that you you touch on, I'm Gen X as well, later, I guess earlier, one of the later years born into Gen X, but I completely agree with that. I think that it's funny that our generation, we always like to kind of look at the youth and say, you know, we have it right and, and they have it wrong. But I think there's there's a lot of evidence that our generation has actually not been very good, you know, digital citizens. And I look at things like sharenting and things like that. And these are things that we think a lot about in our households. So the fact that most kids today, their entire life has been posted on social media and they've grown up with it. And by the time they're 13 or going into these critical years where they're entering into high school or junior high school and things like that, they have a digital footprint. And generally speaking, most of them have not you know, consented to that being there. So when I reflect back on my own childhood, my parents would pull out the family photo album if I brought a, a girl home that I was dating. And there'd always be those one or two pictures that you'd want to flip the page really quick and you didn't want them to see. The reality for a lot of kids today is those pictures have been out there and they are permanent and they're coming back to bite. And now they have to kind of deal with this because their parents have, have kind of put their entire life online. So I think that it's things like that that we have to consider as parents and it's treating children and treating our own children and their privacy with respect as well. And you'll see very, very few pictures of my children posted online, but any that are, I always ask for their consent and I ask if they're okay doing it. So I think leading in ways like that is very important. I think that we're all guilty of falling you know, victim to the phone and you get the notification, you pull the phone out of your, your pocket at dinner time or you know, things like that. There was one day my daughter was at karate and they were breaking the boards and I got an email that I quickly looked down and, and was doing a response to and I missed her break the board. And it, it's instances like that, that I think it's important to say, you know, it happens, it doesn't make it okay. But I think we have to reflect on our own experiences and think of what we are instilling in our children. And it is completely unfair to ask them to have different practices than, than we have. So I think just general awareness about what you're doing and, and what they see, because they're extremely observant, to, as most parents know, they're always watching what we're doing, and they're kind of taking notes, so to speak. So I think practice what you preach and just be very aware of your own habits are, are the two things that I focus on. Nice. You know, it's so true. And it's something we all need to be reminded of, whether you have kids or not, just, you know, having a conscious relationship with technology and, and how you engage with it is really critical. And how you disengage with it as well. And that's sort of the other piece that I, you know, I would like to understand, uh, you know, you, you focus a lot on social media and your work as a practitioner and as a parent. Do you look at also the offline experience and how to, how to have it as a complement and how to encourage that complement to the technology experience, but also being mindful of, you know, for example, where the you know where phones are charged and just the well-being aspects of using technology you know a lot of kids will maybe your kids are too young to have this experience yet but a lot of them will sleep with their phones and you know they're not only emitting EMFs but some phones are actually quite dangerous and can be flammable i mean there's a whole uh, there's a whole bunch of other different issues around that are those things that you take into consideration and if so how do you integrate them into your lifestyle and your parenting style? 
Definitely thinking about it a lot. Where I guess the point I get to in the book is that we often think about balance between online and offline, and I think that's extremely important. So while I focus mostly on what they're doing when they're on the screens, I want to acknowledge that I absolutely think it's important that there's good balance outside of that. And, you know, I want my my son and daughter to have social relationships that are face-to-face. I want them to get exercise. I want them to eat well and and do their homework and, and read and, and do all those sort of things. But the other aspect of it is I think there's a lot of folks that kind of view screen time as kind of holistic and it's, and, and it's ubiquitous. And I argue in the book that it's really what they do on those screens that's important. So there's a balance of online and offline, but there's also a balance of when they are on screen, what they're doing. But to get back to more of your original question, I would say that my daughter's a little young yet for a phone, but we've already established that the bedroom will be a, a device-free uh, zone, especially at night. I think that those risks are, are very real. And, and there are a lot of stories that we read of, I think that's where it crosses a line of being problematic. So similar to other experiences that are offline, we might worry about our kid if they're kind of you know, they want to be alone and, and be in their bedroom uh, alone a little bit. Maybe they're going through something and you let it pass. But if it starts to become a recurring thing, then we take action. So I think that there's a lot of parallels with things like that and, and technology. And that kind of leads into something that I often say, which is it's funny because we try to kind of siphon off digital parenting from parenting and almost treat them like they're different things. But I think in a lot of cases, if we... I believe there's no such thing as digital parenting and parenting. To me, it's all parenting. And I think just by looking at what they're doing in the par- on those devices and just making good decisions as parents and acknowledging that we're not always going to be 100% right, but learning from mistakes and things like that, that gets us to a better place. And, and I think it puts a little less pressure on it and it makes it feel less like an all or nothing decision, which I think it feels like to a lot of parents. So that's really the focus. But I, I completely agree with you. I think having balance of online, offline is very important. And things like bringing phones into bed, I don't see any practical reason why that would be necessary. So things like that are off the table in, in our household for sure. Do you bring them into your own bedroom? I charge mine in my own bedroom. I don't go on the on the device for, I try to do an hour before bedtime kind of thing. But yes, I do charge mine in, in my own room. Uh, yeah, I just, it, it's something that that we've looked at, at a lot recently. And part of it is from the EMFs and that people have different sensitivities to electromagnetic frequencies, but also there's just the, you know, the vibration effect that uh, your your body, sometimes it impacts your sleep. So it's quite interesting. But anyway, something to just be mindful of for yourself. <laughs> and also if you're telling your kids they can't have the phone in the room. <laughs> I do the same. I mean, we're all guilty of it. it. Yeah, I realized my own hypocrisy there uh, as as I was speaking. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I was just curious. All of us do. It's it's the classic. You know, it's the it's that uh, we get caught up in the in the web of it. Don't mean a pun there. Sorry, (laughs) I was really. (laughs) I don't know if they even call it the web anymore. It is all you know. Life is just a web. So the other thing that you don't necessarily talk about in your book, but I'm just I always like to talk to people that are, are you know parents, executives balancing lots of different things. What do you do in order to keep balance for yourself? And do you use any technologies that help you, you know, whether it's 
from a fitness technology or whether it's, you know, using some people have alarm clocks that, uh, you know, basically track their biorhythms. I mean, there's all kinds of different great tools out there. And I always think it's really exciting to hear what people have come across, what kinds of things work for them, and what kinds of things, you know, maybe to avoid. What, is there any particular things that you use to help you find balance and to remain strong and healthy so that you can lead your organization and your family and yourself or care mm-hmm. for them? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I founded the company about two years ago, and I've been thinking a lot about it because really I've poured a lot of myself into the, into the company. And I think it's been at the expense of, of myself and, and personal health and, and things like that. So there are a number of like meditation apps. That's something that I'm trying to get into and get in a state of mindfulness and getting back into the presence. So I use one from Sam Harris called Waking Up, which works really well for me. I use almost every platform that there is. And I think it's important that I do because I have to kind of understand what's going on out there. So it's less about being part of my life and more about just kind of functional and understanding the trends and things like that. So I'm on all the social media. I'm not a heavy user at a personal level, but I'm on all of those platforms as well. And aside from that, I I think I really, I do try to be a little bit mindful of putting the phone away and spending good time with my children. I'm incredibly lucky that I get to work on a project that involves my children so much. And it's really a passion project addressing what I perceive as gaps in the market as it relates to technology at that age of kind of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten where we get to work on a platform. She's actively involved. We actually take a lot of feedback from her. Uh, We message each other on the Kinzu platform a lot. So she's very active in it. And so that that makes the balance of work and home, I I think it kind of makes it a little fuzzier and that's a great thing. But aside from that, I I do try to kind of do a better job of putting the phone down and just spending good quality time with with my children, whether that's watching a movie or going for a walk or, or whatever it might be. So great. And kudos to you for being conscious about making that effort. And we all need to do a little bit more of that. And like you, because of my work, I have to be on a lot of different social media, but I try to be more conscious about when I do and also when I don't, you know, if I'm having family time to not check in and sort of, you know, rather check in face to face. But that's the day and age that we're in these days. And that also means that we also have this incredible opportunity to be able to stay in touch even when we are remote. And you touched on that briefly in your book as well when you talked about changing provinces and I think being able to use social media or whether it's social media but t- or technology in general, whether it's using FaceTime or other tools like that, to be able to stay in contact with friends and family is so important and something that we really should be thankful to technology for. So, yeah. There's somewhere in there for each individual that is that magic amount that is more about being conscious about what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And you you touched on that earlier of not necessarily saying do this, do that, but it's more recommendations of things to try to help you find your ideal balance of what works for you as an individual and as a family. So kudos to you and thank you for producing a great book. And I look forward to checking out Kinzu for those of you who are interested in learning more about it, particularly if you have younger kids or remote family, it's uh, Kinzu Messenger. And you can check that out or kinzu.com for the website. And if you want to get more information about that, go to their website. And it looks like 
Sean is easy to find on social media as well, although he's Sean, H-E-R-M-S, not Herman, on Twitter. But is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today? You've got such you know great work, and I look forward to seeing where you evolve with it. And as your kids grow, maybe having the teen version coming out. Yeah, uh, that is something that we are definitely thinking about as well. And yeah, I just want to thank you for, for having me. And I think my overarching message, and I think you, you touched on it uh, already, is I think when we look at kids in technology, I, I look at kind of four broad things that they can do. And, and the first one is what we're most familiar with, which is consumption. And I think that that's where we kind of give a negative view of technology. But technology can also open up great things like real connection. And, and we talk about my daughter and her grandparents are actually closer than they've ever been, even though they live far apart. And that's all enabled by technology. Kids can be creative. We talked about Minecraft and problem solving and, and great things like that. And kids can also learn. So I think if we focus on the more positive aspects of technology, we can really get the best out of it. And if we take a negative view based on we only see our kids consuming YouTube content all day or, or things like that, I think that's kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater a little bit. And we do miss out on on those opportunities to really make technology work in a much more you know positive way for families. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today with our listeners. And thank you, listeners, your digital selfers out there. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you haven't already subscribed, take a moment to check it out and subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes in season three. We love having different new perspectives. So please give us your feedback and let us know if there's anybody great that you would like to hear on the show. Thank you again for being with us today. And we look forward to next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.